ABCs, where it is Christmas all year round because we discussed the Bare Naked Ladies songs alphabetically, which, you know, some people wish that it could be Christmas every single day. Well, here we get to live that. <laughs> exactly. It is totally <laughs> possible for us to have Christmas any day of the week because this week we're returning to explore Christmas again as we discuss friggin' Christmas. No, Cregan. Fragging Christmas. Cregan Christmas. Cragging Christmas. Cregan Christmas. Is there, are you having a problem with your autocorrect, Tracy? I am having a massive problem with my <laughs> autocorrect today for some reason. We're talking about, sorry, Andy and, and Jim, Cregan Christmas. Cregan Christmas. It's all about origami. <laughs> oh, for creaking out loud. For creaking out loud. <laughs> it's going to be in my new swear term. Whenever I'm around the kids, oh, you got to be creaking kidding be me. me. <laughs> my autocorrect every time i was talking about today's episode would try to recorrect it to like kragen or kraken or we're talking about the the kraken christmas <laughs> yes that year it'll be when the sea monster rised up from the bottom of the deep briny sea <laughs> welcome to the kraken <laughs> For those of you who have never heard this song before, here's a brief snippet of tonight's song. Shopping around Scarborough Mall that Christmas Trying to get my family history I'm up for my muffin dad, that's all the well It's not the box, it's what you put inside that makes it great So... We are covering this song because it was actually put out on an actual recording um, that can be reached. Um, it was on Bare Naked Christmas 1991, which was the fan club. It was before they started releasing the ladies' rooms. This is what the CDs. kids call a deep cut. Oh, a very deep cut. <laughs> like, you have to be a fan of the late. You had to be on the Bare Naked Ladies fan club in 1991. <laughs> To get a copy of this CD. Like when they were just starting out. Uh, before they released Gordon. Just after they started releasing uh, the Yellow Tape. You had to have been a fan of the of the club at that point. Um, it's a... I, I will be adding a link in our notes for today. Uh, for you to get a hold of this. And it's... Also on there with the very early version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen and We Three Kings combination, um, which is really interesting. It, there is an alternative version. I sent you guys the alternative version of this. Shopping around Scarborough Mall in the midday. Trying to find some shoes on Pitt Street. Once in a fast, once in a last, because they got to be tough. But it's not to choose, it's the soul inside that makes them great. The Cregan brothers um, in 1994 rewrote this and did a revision for their first self-titled album, which is a very jazz, funk, pop type sound. They re <laughs> they call it themselves spaz, um, <laughs> which I think is really interesting. I find it to be kind of a lounge, jazz, funk, pop type feel. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about the original version. The original version is 
is very, I don't know how you would label it, Aaron, but I want to say it's, I mean, I think that a bluesy, jazzy, soft jazz type sound is kind of what they're going with. Definitely jazz blues, yeah. Very much so. Well, do you do you want to break it down? <laughs> uh, well, we'll come to the breakdown in a minute. But then you, so the the alternative version that they mm. released later was that the uh, shopping for shoes. That's they changed yes. it to shopping for shoes, so it's no longer a Christmas song, and there's a lot more to it. It has a faster beat. There's a different type of drum they're using in there. Uh, I'm not quite that, sure what it is because that was the Brothers Cregan, right? Yes. Right. There's a very different bridge to it. There's a different amount of scatting that they do in it in the middle. And I will get to it more, but Andy and, and Jim are basically, they're co- playing everything. Uh, so Andy plays the piano, percussion, accordion, dulcimer, and uh, steel pan, while Jim is doing the bass, the guitar, the percussion, the tap dancing, and the piano. So it's a very interesting kind of mix for the two of them. I'm betting that no one else has ever discussed this song in the amount of length that we're going to tonight. So, Aaron, let's break it down. All right, let's do it. Aaron's hot take! Okay, so this is not going to be the typical breakdown. I, w- I will provide as much as I can, but it's it's very much a freeform jazz Wicked. odyssey. So. Oh my god, that's the perfect <laughs> so. description of this song. <laughs> that, there we go. Okay, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fastest breakdown ever. No, um, Cregan Christmas is <laughs> approximately rushes along at, at 180 beats per minute. It does rush and drag quite a bit. It's very loose. The whole feel is very loose. Very jazzy feel. It's essentially a jazz blues jam. Uh, the key is A, but it's played in the A blues scale. That's A, C, Ooh. D, E flat, E, G, then back up to A. The blue scale is interesting for a couple of reasons. Unlike a typical major scale, so to stick with A, that would be uh, A major is A, B, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G sharp, then back to A. So not counting the octave, you have A to G, and that's seven scale degrees. So most typical Western scales, be they major, minor, or whatever, and no matter what mode you're in, we'll have seven degrees. That's why when we talk about, uh, when I say like one, four, five, etc., that's the degrees of the scale, you know, so... Uh, for instance, uh, with a C scale, C is the first degree or the tonic, F is the fourth degree, G is the fifth degree. So well, one, four, five would be C, F, G. So that's what we talk about when we talk about you know the degrees. So a typical Western scale, again, be it major, minor, or whatever, will have seven degrees or seven notes or seven tones. A blues scale only, depending on which degree of bacon you go with. Correct. <laughs> but always, always. Oh man, I can't even do it. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon. I threw you off. Kevin Bacon, one of Earth's <laughs> mightiest heroes. Um, anyways, so yeah, you have typically have uh, seven seven degrees or seven tones. In a blue scale, you have six. You have one less degree or one fewer degree, depending on uh, who you ask. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> man, I'm in rare a uh, rare mood tonight. Sorry, guys, I'm sick. Uh, so the <laughs> a, the A blues again is A C D E sharp E natural G. You have one less degree in your scale, but also what makes the blue scale unusual is uh, you have three adjacent chromatic notes. So a standard major scale can be built, for instance, by starting at your desired tonic and then moving up a whole step, another whole step, a half step, three more whole steps, uh, and then a half step. So whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. No matter where you start, you just choose a note, and if you use that formula, you will build yourself a major scale. It will always work. Even in a minor scale, you wouldn't see three steps moving up or down chromatically by half step all next to each other. 
right? Because that means you have, if you look, think about like a piano keyboard, that would be like three notes, including the black notes, you know, the black keys, uh, three notes that are just all right next to each other. Typically, that doesn't happen. You want a little more space between your notes because in a Western classical tradition, um, typically in a harmonic sense, this would lead to a lot of dissonance, which is something that traditional Western music theory tries to avoid. However, the blue note and what defines the blues scale as being that bluesy sound that we all think, um, this is the flat fifth, which is what makes the blues scale sound so bluesy. It's also known as the tritone or the so-called devil's interval, uh, so-called because it bisects <laughs> the scale in half exactly. So playing the tonic, the tritone, and then the octave allows you to span the scale in three equidistant points. It's mathematically harmonious. It's a palindrome. Uh, but it is a very, very tense interval and it demands resolution. Is it what gives it that kind of dissonant type yeah, it, feel it, to yeah, it? Yeah, when you hit that, when you're laying, when you're laying on the blend, 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 you know, <laughs> when you're laying really hard on those notes, that gives it a distinctive feel. That that is usually the flat fifth they're laying on, um, and it, it really does uh, give it a very distinctive sound. Uh, I, I personally adore it. I think it's a great uh, tone. It's a great interval. It's a really interesting way to to build tension and then resolve, and. Um, <clears throat> The really cool thing about the blues scale, which is really pretty much just a minor pentatonic or five-note scale with a flat fifth added to it, um, it's excellent for improvisation. If you learn just the appropriate blues scale for the section of the song you're improvising over, so if someone says to you, like, if you just learn, blues scales are pretty easy, and they're easy to build because, again, it's that same kind of formula. So if you know how to build a blues scale, and someone says to you, we're playing in the key of whatever, I want you to improvise. If you know how to make a blues scale for that key signature, uh, you can just go and forever and ever go, and it will always sound correct. It'll always sound bluesy, which hopefully you're improvising in a song that's okay to sound bluesy. <laughs> and otherwise, that might sound a little weird. But it will always sound correct. It will never sound wrong. It will just sound bluesy. So you can just play the scale and just go pick the random notes from the scale. A lot of times, if you're improvising in a very precise scale and a more of a not blues but jazz, uh, more complex, you know, with sevenths and stuff like that, um, you have to be very precise. And if you just kind of pick random notes from it, it will sound a little weird, as you might expect. If you just picked random notes from a blues scale and had a computer randomly generate them and play them out of this little, it would probably still sound great. Blues is awesome. You can just kind of go on autopilot and just <laughs> spit out all kinds of stuff. So that's a lesson to you out there. If you want to impress your girlfriend's parents or whatever, learn a blues scale on a piano and just uh, play a bass line with your left hand and play something uh, you know infinitely with your right hand. And you'll just immediately sound like a prodigy and sound awesome. Uh, so uh, not, not in any way saying that blues is uh, not in a disparaging sense. I think simplicity can be quite beautiful, hence why I love, like, you know, the Beatles and stuff like that. Blues is user-friendly. Blues, it gets user you, friendly. it allows you to yes. get right to the heart of things. Shall we say, easy to learn, difficult to master. How about that? Because mm. the best blues musicians know how to use space and know how to use that simplicity to create this kind of negative space and to really make the notes count. So someone like, I'm a big fan of Pink Floyd. Uh, David Gilmour is one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Uh, also, uh, Mark Knopfler of uh, Dire Straits, wonderful guitarist. And they both can kind of shred when they want to. But a lot of times they'll use space and keep things very simplistic. Mm -hmm. And they know how to use blues to their advantage to be very expressive and make the guitars sing. So, um, again, <laughs> if you're a blues musician out there, I'm not saying, oh, it's easy. Anyone can do it. I'm just saying <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to yes. start. Right? Right? But then mastering it is being able to do it articulately blues doesn't want you to get stuck in your head blues wants you to feel it and express it and so that's where it goes yeah blues <laughs> is about the feeling exactly blues is a very intuitive well, exactly. 
it's a very intuitive and emotive you know if you think about blues it's about like expressing your pain and throwing it out into the world so uh i love it and that takes that takes yeah skill. it does which is it does interesting that they would choose that for a christmas song <laughs> well because about buying because presents. Blues, okay i said blues is in traditional blues it, it came out of uh, uh came out of uh, you know he let me bear my soul uh but this kind of jazzy bouncy uh blues is a little more fun definitely uh, yes. So there's this walking bass line, but do 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 boop 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 and typically you hear that a lot in like jazz blues stuff, and you hear the bass just kind of going right, and it's just sort of bouncing along. Usually every quarter note gets a bass beat, which you know can be quite, especially in an up tempo song like this, can make it really move along. And if you feel this pulse, right, that's where the the energy is coming from. And in fact, I think the song gets most of its energy from the bass line. Since the, the oh, drums yeah. are in and out, the percussion varies in density. Sometimes it's just hand claps or bongos. So the bass drum is the bass is really what's driving the song and really what's giving it its energy. Um, and you know what's funny here? I immediately thought of Jazz Odyssey from This Is Spinal Tap, right? The a free. <laughs> we're not going to perform a free form uh, jazz uh, exploration on stage, right? <laughs> On the bass, Derek Smalls, he wrote this, right? So, like, I, I, I immediately just thought about that, which is hilarious because Jim is the bass player, and he did write this. Yep. He wrote the, the Freeform Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> so I don't know when this song came out or when Spinal Tap came out or whether that was in any way related, but it's kind of, if not, it's a really, really interesting piece of synchronicity there. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, you know, the whole song has this very playful feel to it. Uh, it was amusing to listen to. But ultimately, not a song which left me awestruck or yearning for more. Uh, if I saw BNL live and it was near Christmas time, I would probably appreciate hearing them goof around and improvise over this jazzy blues jam. But ultimately, I don't think it's much uh, to write a Christmas card home about. <laughs> so, what did you think about the revision about the the alternate version that Jim and Andy did later on? I, don't know, I think, uh, as you say, uh, maybe it's a little more appropriate. You know, what I mean, they certainly seem to have fleshed it out a bit more. It's it's more developed in that in that later incarnation, and Definitely. and as you say, I'm not. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Christmas blues song, but I don't. Know, <laughs> it it, feel, it feels like maybe it's a little more appropriately used there. And then there's not a lot of uh, of Ed or or Stephen on mm. this song. Yeah, even then. So I almost get the feeling that this might have been something that, that Jim and Andy were kind of playing around with before they came to the band, the that, two of them together. or my thought was, a lot of times, if, you, if you've if you been in the band and you've recorded in a studio or you've heard these stories of bands, the non-smokers in the band, right? The guitarist yep. and the keyboard player, whatever, go out and have a smoke. And the vocalist and the bass player are in there and they're going like... No, let's just play around. They're doing something. And the guys come back in like, hey, what was that? Oh, we were just messing around. No, no, let's record it. So, like, it could have been something like that, too, at the same time. Yeah. It does feel very unflushed out. It feels yeah, very much like Yeah, it's just a fun like little ditty, right? You know, that's, that's the way I look yeah. at it. Which is why they release it for their fans yeah. as a Christmas I think that was appropriate. Pick, you know? No, no pun intended around the Christmas <laughs> pick thing. <laughs> Michelle, what are your thoughts on this song? I... I really like the Christmas version of it. It's very Jim. Oh, yeah. Like, Jim's songs have a very specific 
sound. And this definitely has it. Like it's, I love the jazzy feel of it. I love how concise the lyrics mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Um, or is that the, the spider in my room? Yes. And then it ends with a mad cow. Um, yeah. Uh, like his songs are always like the, the, there's not this 15 repeats of the chorus. It's here's the verse. Here's the chorus. Here's an interesting thing. The end. Yep. And it's just always really cool and interesting and very unique. And it doesn't sound like anything else that the bare naked ladies do, but I do love it. Um, and it, it's fun. We don't have any declaration anywhere on the web, anywhere of who wrote this. I looked everywhere to try to find out who wrote this. But given the words that are in this song, oh, yeah. I think Andy wrote this one. Yeah, I can see that. Of course. Um, it Jim's going to buy like me some said. new pants for Christmas, and in return, yes. I'm going to buy him some new socks, and he's going to be real happy. <laughs> Which I laugh so and hard. It has at the... that feel that goes with Andy. Like Andy writes these. It's a very of stream of consciousness kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it kind of matches with. I love the bongos, right? Because that's all like the beatniks mm-hmm. or whatever. It felt very much like. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a poor man's Kerouac. You know what I mean? It's just, I like it. I like it. It's a poetry night. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how, I mean, the funny thing is, I think why I like, the thing that I like most about this is that I can't tell, like, obviously there's a, there's, the tongue is firmly in the cheek in this, Oh, but yeah. I can't. But it's also kind of an right. ordinary day I, of right. them trying to Christmas shop. I can't shop. tell how like, firmly in the cheek the tongue is. I feel like. It's very Canadian, right? You know, it's it's got that, <laughs> yes. it's got that Canadian kind of like. It's almost more of a day in yeah. the life than time. I feel cheek. like Canadians have this like, they're famous for like being passive aggressive. I feel like Canadians have this sort of casual nihilism about them. You know what I mean? And it's just like it. It really it's what makes them so funny. It may, some of the best comedians I know uh, are Canadian, and I think the kids in the yeah, hall. I think, I think that it's just like it's just something in the culture. I, I I don't know. I think they they feel like America's little brother. Sometimes it's like, oh, you guys fought the British, and we were like, nah. <laughs> you know? I don't know if that's what it is or what, but like, I think they they feel like you know America's so loud and big and like boisterous and. We're so attention seeking, and now they're washing their hands yeah. of us. They're yeah, like, I, f- I feel like we're all set like, you with know, you guys. Now that I think about it, I because I, I have that Canadian, uh, I have that Canadian influence in my family, so I kind of straddle the line. But uh, as a middle child, I feel maybe a little bit more connected to America because I'm just like always striving for attention. Or maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> maybe the Canadians are the ones who are starved for attention because America's always the biggest and the loudest. So maybe that's my older brother there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but like... Hashtag love you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we know you listen. Chris, come on the show. <laughs> yeah, or any Canadian comedian. Rick Moranis, please come on the show. Oh, Scott Thompson. <laughs> we know you listen. Oh God, we Scott would Thompson. love to have any you of the come kids on. In the oh, please. Uh, any kids Bruce McCullough, oh, get Bruce. your ass on here. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. But anyways, uh, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I love how, like, down-to-earth these lyrics are and how he's just very, like, relaxed with it. Like, a mug for mom, a mug for... He's like, so I'm you know, I'm shopping around trying to get gifts This is straight. a last-minute gift. Ah, a mug for mom, a mug for it, dad. It, this is basically, I'm at Walmart <laughs> at Christmas Eve, 10 p.m. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. I have to make sure I get something for everybody. Uh, these mugs are on sale, two for one. I'll just grab one for mom, one for dad. You know what? It's what I put in the mugs that makes it special. So I'll exactly. just, I'll put dad's favorite, uh, I don't know, dad's favorite 
vodka and the little tiny tiny bottle inside here and i'll put mom's favorite chocolate in the there. nips yeah so you know it's it, he's like jim buys me some pants i'm gonna buy him some socks yeah, it's i don't know again with the weird passive aggressive again with the socks for christmas like there's gotta be some kind of canadian oh, thing about well, socks for, for christmas is that not an american thing it's cold I maybe it's because not. my family my mom's side of the family is canadian i always get socks for christmas like without fail. Yeah. I still I'm we a thirty six year old man. I this you Christmas got socks. socks for Christmas. <laughs> I basically barely buy socks. The only time I buy but from socks your fa- is that there's from your brother? Some, not from my brother. But I you know, I guarantee I guarantee at some point that's gonna happen. Socks are happening yeah. somewhere along the and you know what? I finally got to the age where I'm freaking psyched. Well, like socks are what I'm looking you know, forward I, I am to. Now, um, I think that I've, I've reached a point in my life where I've become pragmatic enough that now I get the socks and I'm thinking, oh, great. Now I don't have to spend money on socks. So it's a it's a gift of financial freedom. Go. So I appreciate it, mom and dad. Here it is. I got to say that on the, the rewrite, I like the rewrite, though. I, I like the music with the rewrite, but I like the lyrics that they put in. So one of my favorite lines that they rewrote and I get that it was a it was a Christmas time kind of rewrite, but I really like it. So they're shopping around for socks at midday, yeah. Instead of shopping on Christmas Day itself, but I like it's not not the shoes; it's the soul that you put inside them. That's great. Like nice little pun there, Andy or Jim, whichever one wrote that. And at the same time, like get the it? whole point, Shoe? Yeah. soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody was giving oh, yeah. the elbow to oh, the yeah. other person. I appreciate get a really it? good soul? pun, though. Shoe? Yeah, that's right up your alley, Tracy. That is definitely. But it's also really, really, really uh, deep in that it's like it's not about the gift; it's it's the soul that, that you have. You know, it's it's you got to go deeper than just the appearance. And I like that kind of secondhand kind of statement that he's making there. I do love the pun too, though. <laughs> Indeed. And I also like how they changed it up and they made it a little bit more. Like, they did a lot more with it. Like, got to run back to the store because I got to find the shoes that won't hurt me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's definitely having some fun with rewriting this song. Oh, yeah. He's like, how much more can I put in here? I thought it was funny that they chose to rewrite it. Yeah. Well, I think I think what happened was probably the Brothers Cregan. They're, they're interesting and unique and... I don't want to say eccentric, but... Well, I feel like maybe they thought, like, hey, remember that little ditty, that Christmas song we did? There was really something there, and I feel like I wish that had been released in a more widespread manner. Well, hey, why don't we ask the guys if they mind us kind of rewriting it and making it our own? And, yep. you know, b being the pretty chill dudes they are, I imagine they said, yeah, that's fine. They went ahead and did it. And it was a new song and a new take on it, and I like both the, the, both the versions, honestly. They're very different from each other. They're almost separate songs in many ways mm. with different titles to the song so it's they're almost not the same and yet they are <laughs> how poetic it, it's the nyquil talking so the only thing <laughs> i was robo tripping so hard last night oh my god <laughs> so much robotussin it's i love the bongos in the song <laughs> brings me back to andy and what i miss about andy being in the band yeah yeah he he's kind of the master bongo <laughs> guy the, the only thing, Andy, we love you. Come yeah, we know on you listen, the show and give us a bongo tutorial. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about this song, well, the, the major thing I did not like about this song, I should say, um, that let me cut that. 
The only thing I didn't like about this song, and they fixed it on the on the second version, was the scatting. Um, I felt that I, I I really feel that a lot of this song was just like we're gonna throw this together real quick. We're just playing around with it, and like you said, Aaron, maybe the other guys were out and then they were playing around, and then they came back in. They said, "Let's record this. Let's use this for our Christmas for our fans." But they didn't have time to really kind of master it. I felt like the scatting was that in the first version versus the second version. Like it, it was much better scatting. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think overall the second version was much more polished, you know, but I mean, yeah. uh, there's something, what's the word? I, I don't want to be hipster and say, it's not like it's more authentic or anything, but there, but there's, <laughs> I was going to use the word authentic. I don't even know if it is more authentic, but there's something charming about the low finest of, of this version. Well, it, matter, it's, it, it goes along with what it is intended to be, right. which is just this just like nice around. little throw up for the fans, yeah. you know. And that's what those fan, a lot of those fan songs are on those albums that we're going to cover in the future. Is just this like, hey, here's a nice little throw up. You're not going to find this anywhere else. So kind of enjoy this extra for being a big fan of ours. So why don't we, why don't we throw that over to you, and you can take over Santa's bag and. And decide how we parse out the the presents. <laughs> yes, yes. So for ratings, you know what I just realized? I didn't have a topic. Let's do mugs. How many, how many mugs, mugs how many are mugs? we gonna give this? Um, I went back and forth. I'm sorry. I'm I'm like Peter Brady, and uh, it's time to change. <laughs> Got to rearrange who you are and where you want to be. Most of our cast is getting over yeah. the over a really bad, bad virus right now. So we're just trying to muster through because we're, we're we have none in through. the bag at this point. So excuse so, everyone. <laughs> um, so I went back and forth with my scoring because at first I was like, well, mm, but it's so unique and so Cregan sounding and it's such a treat. So I ended up giving it 3.75 mugs. Okay. <clears throat> Aaron, how about you? How many mugs do you give this song? Well, I really had to kind of think hard on this one. It's difficult because, I don't, you know, like, I, I certainly don't like it as much as I like stuff like, say, like, Angry People at a 3.6. Uh, I don't like it as much as I like. Where was There was a 3.5 I was comparing it to. Maybe was it a drift? No. I don't know. Maybe it's the, it's the cold medicine talking. I'm not sure. I lost my... I lost my oh, you know what? I was looking at Bad Day. Um, and I rated Bad Day lower than you guys, so I was the party pooper on that one. Um, I rated it a 3.3. Um, and I, honestly, I like this song about as much as I like Bad Day. I like this song also about as much as I like Canada Dry, which is a song that I do like. Those are both songs that I like, and I like this song, but it's not like one of my all-time favorites. It's not one I'm going to be reaching for, um, you know, like often. So, yeah, I, I had to give uh, Krieg and Christmas a 3.3 mugs out of 5, which is very solid. Very solid. Perfect. Okay, Tracy, it's all, all up to you. All right, so I'm going to be the hater this week. That's the problem, deal with angry people and try to go it alone. Digging in and making cranky people please let other angry disown. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Shyamalan. So oh, shocked. Folks. Yeah. So as a rarity, as a fan CD rarity, I love this. Okay. So it, like as this nice little thing to kind of listen to, it, I would love to have this kind of in my closet. I wish I actually had a real cro- copy of this. 
because it's a nice little have. But as a song, as something that I would listen to on a regular basis, it's not up there. I would never want this on a major release. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't want it on one of the major albums. However, the rewrite, would it definitely has a much higher value. So I'm going to say that in advance. So my score for the original release is a 2.5, right in the mid. If this were going with the, the Brothers Creek inversion, it would be a 3.5 for me. So... So I have to put in the 2.5 because that's the original, wow. original okay. version of it. Interesting. So that gives a total of 3.18. But but Jim and Andy, I really love what you did with it when you rewrote it. Yeah. So that it puts it just above Bag of Bones and just below Crazy. That seems about right yeah. to me though. As a nice extra, that would that's a, about the right spot. Honestly, I like it because it's clever and interesting and unusual. I don't know that I would go back to search it out or listen to it, but if it's on, it's like a nice treat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I agree. It's a nice one to just kind of come back to every now and then as a Christmas little special that I'll have it yes. on, my, on my Christmas song list just to listen to once a Christmas and listen, you know, go over. And that seems about right. Like, that's a nice once a year, like, oh, yeah, this song. And then you can put it away for the year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. You know? That feels about right. Yeah. Tracy, what do we got? All right. Two so minutes. This week, real quick, because uh, I know Aaron's going to get going. We have a, we're going back to the Christmas time. And this year at Christmas, Ed <laughs> did a nice little appearance on a episode of Jam or Not a Jam. Uh, where they went over Christmas carols <laughs> and talked with yeah. whether they thought it was a jam or not a jam with uh, another lady. I can't remember what her name is now. Uh, but it's really funny to kind of listen to them go through all these different Christmas songs, especially the pop Christmas songs, and talk about whether or not they, they think it's a great song or a really bad song. So uh, go out there. I'll have that in the in the liner notes. It's a lot of fun. Listen to us and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Please go over to iTunes and give us a rating. Five star, which would be great. And also put some words in there. We only have two explanations of why people do or do not like the show. Um, so please go out there and do that. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and BowlingStormtrooperEntertainment.com. Um, join us for all of that. And, um, you know... Do you guys want to know what we're going to be covering next week? Sure. What is you, it? You, mm-hmm. Are you really interested? Mm, yes, maybe. I am. Maybe. Really I'm kind of interested. Zero to ten, how interested are you? Mm-hmm. I'm losing interest by the minute. I'm curious. <laughs> oh, you're curious. Okay, good. Because we're covering Curious next week. Ah, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> nice. So join us next week as we return back to snack time and discuss why curiosity <laughs> killed the cat. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. We'll see you guys next week. Have Thanks, a good everybody. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe one. I guess I'm, I've reached the point in my life where I'm uh, pragmatic enough to be like, oh, now I don't have to buy money on, so- I have to pay money. Blech! Let's just cut this whole thing out and pretend that I don't exist. <laughs> uh, I, I've, 